Well, again, good morning, and again, we are so glad that you decided to show up here today. Uh, it's not a normal morning. Uh, obviously, the weather was not ideal, but you still made it, and so you're making me really, really happy that we didn't cancel. So seriously, thank you for showing up here today. Uh, if you haven't already caught in the vibe, we are in this series right now that we are calling Follow. In fact, we are in part two of this series this morning. If you were not here by chance last week, I can't encourage you enough to please go to grumlaw.com and then click on Recent Messages and listen to that message there. Um, in fact, I challenged everyone last week, and I'm going to continue to challenge throughout the series, to, to really stick it out with us for this entire series. Now, I recognize that for some of you, that's really, really intimidating because you've literally never committed to eight weeks of anything in your life, but I'm confident that you can pull this off. So show up for every single week of the series. If for some reason you cannot be here, make sure you go online and you listen to those messages there. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I, I can't really do that because I wasn't here last week. Well, again, that's the beauty of the World Wide Webs. That's the beauty of the internet, Al Gore's invention. You can just go online and listen to that there. That's a joke. Al Gore actually claims to have invented the internet. It's like, what is going on with that guy? Anyway, uh, we really are glad you're here. Now, just by chance, if you were not here um, last week, and I, I want to recap a little bit of what we talked about. We're not going to spend too much time here. We're going to kind of rip through this, but uh, we introduced this whole idea of follow, that Jesus extends this very simple invitation to every single person on the planet to just begin following him. Now, as we began to unpack that, we kind of came across some startling discoveries. Number one, we figured out this. Being a sinner actually doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it's actually a prerequisite. Every single instance that we have of Jesus extending this invitation to begin following him through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we call those the gospel books, the four books, the first four books of the New Testament, those books that document Jesus' time on earth. Every single time he extends that invitation to follow him, and he does it a lot, he's extending it to a person who is a sinner and who is well aware that they are a sinner. In fact, the only time that we really see people resisting this were occasions where people that they actually thought they had life completely figured out, people who thought that they were perfect. So again, being a sinner certainly doesn't disqualify you. Number two, being an unbeliever actually doesn't even disqualify you, to which you might think, well, that's ridiculous. How could I possibly follow someone if I'm not even sure that he was real, if I don't necessarily believe everything that's written in the Bible? And again, it's just not the case. In fact, one of the more interesting things that we read about the disciples, those 12 guys that spent every waking moment with Jesus, is as they were following him around. I mean, they were following him around for almost two years, and then we read in Scripture, it says, and then they believed, to which we think, well, what in the crud were they doing for the first two years? They were just following. They weren't actually believing yet. And so it's okay. Bring your questions. Bring your unbelief. Just begin following, and we actually think the belief will come a little bit further down the road. Number three, we talked about the invitation to follow is an invitation to relationship. Everything that Jesus talked about, it came back to relationship. He was so incredibly relational. In fact, it's relationship that really sets Christianity apart from every other religion on the planet because religion actually says this. Religion says, change and you can join us. Get all your stuff together, start doing this, stop doing these things, and then if you fall in line with what we believe, then at that point you can join us. Now Jesus comes along and he flips this entire thing 180 degrees and he says, join us and you will change because that's true in any relationship. When you care about a person, you want to please them. You want to make them happy because you love them so much. So again, the change will come a little bit further down the road. And then lastly, we talked about following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. When you're focused on following, it forces you to focus on yourself rather than worrying about, well, what about him? And what about her? And how come he's not doing this? And how come she's only doing this? And no, no, you only have time to focus on yourself. And so the question that we began to pose last week and, and the question that we're going to continue to bring up throughout this series is this, and it doesn't matter where you find yourself on this whole faith journey, whether this is your first time in a church, or you've been coming to church your entire life, the question that we really need to ask ourselves is, am I following? Not did I go to church this week, that's a good thing, a lot of people not here, right? Not, not, not did I read my Bible, 
Not that I pray before every meal, but simply ask ourselves the question, am I following? Now, before we go any farther and we continue to kind of unwrap this, I'd love to pray for you and pray for me. And just in case you don't understand really what prayer is, maybe you know, people have just assumed your whole life that, hey, we're just going to pray. Uh, I'm 100% convinced that there's a God out there. And prayer is just an opportunity to share honest thoughts and honest feelings and honest emotions with him. So I'd like to do that now. Father, we just say uh, truly thank you um, for the beauty of your creation. It can aggravate us when it comes in this form in April, but it's still unbelievable. I mean, you just look outside and you're like, my goodness, look at what you have done. And so you're such an incredibly powerful God. And we just ask that today um, you'd speak to each one of us individually I'm confident that that, act, that can actually happen uh, and that we would all be open regardless of what we're bringing in today, regardless of what our past looked like, that uh, we would just be open to, to hearing whatever it is that you might want to say to us today and then we would be open in actually taking that next step, whatever that might look like for each person. And so it's in your name we pray, amen. Now today what we're going to do uh, is we're going to look at another account uh, of where this whole idea of follow kind of gets teased out. Now, this particular event that we're going to be looking at this morning, uh, we see it unfold in the book of Matthew as well as the book of Luke. Now again, I'm not going to assume that everybody knows this. Those first four books, as I've alluded to in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the gospel books or the good news. In fact, those, that word gospel and good news means the exact same thing. We think it's good news that somebody wrote this down for us and documented Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And those four accounts, they're written from four different individuals' perspectives from Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And what happens, because they're all writing about the same Jesus, is in some of those books, we kind of see it crossing over with one another. We see that, okay, he told the exact same story that this other guy told. And the story we're going to be looking at this morning, which, by the way, is a real story. It's not some fictitious event that may or may not have happened. It's a real event that actually happened. We see it documented in the book of Matthew as well as in the book of Luke. Now, we're going to see in Matthew's ver version that Matthew is very, very brief, and he doesn't really give us a lot of details. Now, the reason that he does that is because he is write writing to primarily a Jewish audience, a group of people that were already known to have like this pretty big, audacious, this bold faith, and so he doesn't really feel the need to include a lot of the details that we're going to see Luke include in just a minute here. Um, and I tell you that because you have the ability to read this scripture, and it can be really, really intimidating. In fact, it can actually kind of freak you out if you're reading this and you're thinking, my goodness, am I supposed to live my life this way? I'll explain what I mean here in a second. All right, so Matthew chapter four, it says this. It says, one day, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter. You'll see this throughout the New Testament, that Simon, Peter, same guy. Simon also called Peter and Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. So he comes across, apparently he's walking across the beach and there's two guys, Simon, Peter and Andrew sitting there fishing. And Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people, whatever that means. And they left their nets at once and followed him. What? I mean, what just happened here? I mean, surely you're reading this much like I read this when I first started studying this stuff and you're thinking, is there anybody that crazy? I mean, this is nuts, right? I mean, is there anybody that stupid? Is there anybody out there that's actually that naive? I mean, they don't want to have a single conversation about it. They didn't have a single follow-up question like, hey, what do you mean follow you? to Just follow you and, and we're in. Okay, it actually gets worse. It continues. It says this. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers. So two other guys fishing in a boat, same kind of setup. James and John sitting in a boat with their father. This time they're with their dad, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. <laughs> this is hilarious. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father 
behind. I mean, this is intimidating, right? Because you could easily read this and wonder, am I supposed to be like that blindly obedient? I mean, even this week as I was preparing for this message, I I consciously thought, I was like, there is a 0% chance that I would have responded that way. There's no way if some random guy wearing sandals comes rolling up to me on the beach and he's like, hey, just follow me that I'm going to leave everything behind. And honestly, I'm not really even sure that they made the wise decision. Because what about Zebedee, their dad sitting there? All of a sudden, his kids are like, dad, see you later. Good luck with the family business. We are out. And Zebedee's standing there going, what the crap just happened? Where are my sons going? Where did I go wrong raising these children? Now, chances are, if you grew up going to church and You've probably heard this passage of scripture preached on before and maybe somebody got in front of you and and they were really passionate about it and they're probably pretty sweaty and they're yelling, they're going, you better be willing to abandon everything for Jesus. Throw it all to the side. I mean, Jesus is the only answer. You gotta be willing to chuck it all to the side for Jesus. And you got people around you going, amen, preach. And you're like, no, not amen, not preach. If that's what it means to follow Jesus, I am not interested at all. Now, the good news is, is that's not the whole story. I mean, it's the story, but it's not the whole story. As I said, Matthew leaves out a lot of the details that Luke kind of helps to fill in. Now, Luke, the reason that he includes a lot more of these details is because he's writing to an audience of people like me and you, people who read this account and think, you've got to be kidding, I would never actually do that before. He's writing to a Gentile audience, uh, to non-Jews, people that weren't known to have this big and audacious faith. And so he gives us a lot more of the the details that Matthew kind of leaves out here. And so we pick up here in Luke's account. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore, okay, Matthew, you didn't even tell us that part. So it's not Jesus just walking along the shore, plucking people out of boats, telling them to follow him. He's preaching, okay? And there were great crowds. So there's a lot of people. It's not just Jesus by himself, again, going up to random people, but there's a great crowd, okay, and they're sitting there. And this is important. They are listening to Jesus. And I say that that's important because following Jesus always begins with listening. It always begins with information. It never begins with like this blind abandonment, no questions asked, I'm gonna give up everything that I've ever owned, everything that I've ever known and just start blindly following this guy. In an instant, you're like 100% in. In fact, if, if you're a part of a church and unfortunately there's Christian churches out there or a religious system and they urge you, don't ask questions, just believe. You need to run away. That should trigger like this red flag in your head where you're like, yeah, I need to get out of this because real faith, truly following Jesus, true Christianity is based on learning and gathering information and asking questions and getting those questions answered in truth. It's based on listening and figuring this stuff out for yourself, not blindly getting sucked into something because somebody got in front of you and they yelled real loud at you and then they used the word hell and you're like, crap, I don't wanna go there and then you're just in. Jesus built the idea of faith all around truth and understanding, listening, learning. It says then, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So at this point in history, uh, fishermen, they would fish at night, and we'll explain why that was here in just a second, but these guys, you know, Simon and and Andrew and James and John, they're all in from fishing for the entire night, so it's probably earlier in the morning, 
And they're up on the shore and they're cleaning out their nets. So they would do this. Once they got done fishing and getting all their fish, you know, in coolers or whatever the heck they used back then, at that point, they'd take their nets, they'd stretch them all out, they'd clean out the sunglasses and the cell phones and the beer bottles that all got stuck in there. And then they, you know, untangle them and they'd pull them out on the beach, they'd let them dry out a little bit, and then they'd roll them back up and put them in their boat so that the next day they were ready to go, that at night they weren't worrying about doing all that stuff. They could just walk up to their boats, push them in the water, and they were good to go. And so again, these fishermen were cleaning their nets, so they're a little bit distracted, but they're also listening. They're sitting there, and again, they got all their stuff going on, but they don't have headphones back then, right? They didn't have a boombox going. They were sitting there, and surely they were listening to Jesus and maybe, just maybe, learning a little bit as well. It says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. So this crowd just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, kind of try to picture this scene. Jesus is on the beach, and, you know, he has the water behind him. And this crowd keeps getting so big, and they want to be so close to Jesus that they're crowding all around him. And it keeps pushing him closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to the water until he probably has, like, one foot into the water. And he's like, my goodness, you guys are, like, really up in my personal space. And so he looks over at Peter, who's just down the you know, way, you know, cleaning out his net. And he says, Peter, can I just inconvenience you ever so slightly? I'm not asking you to, to give up your entire life for me. I'm not asking you to give me your boat. I, I just want to inconvenience you just a little bit. Can I just borrow your boat? And Peter says, okay. We're not sure what exactly happens at this point. We don't know if Peter jumps in the boat with them and they cruise out, you know, like 10 yards offshore or if he just kind of throws a line out. But again, Peter says, okay, okay, yeah, you can inconvenience me just a little bit. And the rest of the crowd there at that point, he now has this buffer zone. They're listening to Jesus because again, faith begins with listening. Following Jesus begins with learning, and again, Peter's still listening at this point as well. It said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, again, also called Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, again, by this point, you should probably be thinking, my goodness, Matthew didn't feel like it was a good idea to include any of this? Like I told you, he left out a lot of details. So he asked Peter to do something. He's like, hey, Peter, I want you to do something that you have done a thousand times. I want you to do something that you are so incredibly familiar with. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. That's what he did his, you know, he dedicated his life to. That's all he did was fish. But he's telling Peter, I want you to do something that you have done a thousand times that you are so familiar with, but in a slightly different way. First off, Peter, this is going to be a little inconvenient. I'm asking you to go out fishing. And again, they, they had just got in from the night from fishing all night. Now, again, Back at this point in history, uh, they went fishing at night because at night was when you would catch the fish because they were using nets and therefore you had to catch the fish when they were closer to the surface. And so when the temperature of the water uh, dropped because the air was you know, colder at the surface, the fish would then rise and that's the point that they had fished. And so Peter is going, okay, you want me to go fishing right now, um, but this isn't going to be like this really quick process because I just got done fishing all night. Okay, I I've been out there all night and now I'm in, and I don't know if you noticed, but the whole time that you've been speaking, and it probably wasn't like a five-minute sermon, it was probably a pretty long deal, I've been cleaning up my nets. Like, this isn't like a really quick process. So what you're asking me to do is incredibly inconvenient. I feel like I can relate to Peter a little bit. Uh, I grew up on the water. Like, my parents are crazy about boating my entire life. In fact, now my wife and I, we own a boat with both of my siblings, two of my siblings, and my father as well, and so we kind of share it amongst ourselves. But anyway, I've grown up on the water, and in the summer, it's not unusual for my wife and I will invite families over, hey, it's a Saturday, you want to come out and go boating. Now, people that have never been boating before, let's just be honest, right, they're not very helpful. Well, they're, they're having a great time, they're just not very helpful, and for the boat owner, it's incredibly exhausting. By the end of the day, you just can't wait to go home and lay on your couch because you've been doing anything. And typically, at the end of the day, everybody else heads to their cars, and you as the boat owner are left back drying everything off, 
laying out the life jackets. I see some of you nodding. I mean, you can relate to this, right? You're laying the life jackets out, and then the last step is what? Putting the cover on, right? So, you know, you put the cover on. You're always under the cover. It's like 100 degrees. You're sweating like nobody's business underneath that thing. And then there's like two snaps left, and you crawl out. It's like you're coming out of the birth canal. And then, you know, you get out of underneath the cover. And inevitably, this happens a couple times a summer. I guarantee it. The person that you just took boating all day that did nothing for you in these last five minutes as you've been like covering the boat up and stuff is standing on the dock. Hey, can we go out for a boat ride real quick? One more, real quick. And you're like, there is nothing real quick about what you just requested. You want me to take the cover back off and put all the life jackets back into that compartment? I'm sure you will probably want to bring your kids down real quick too and they can smash some more goldfish into the upholstery. That sounds like a really good time. No, we're not going boating again. Go back up to your car. We are done. And so Peter is thinking the exact same thing. He's looking at, at, at Jesus going, Jesus, I know that you're telling me that you want to go fishing real quick, but there is nothing quick about this, uh, about this request. And look how he responds. He says, Master, and you can almost hear him pleading in his voice, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. He's like, I, I don't know if you know, I mean, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, let's know your role here. Um, but we go fishing at night because, again, the fish are closer to the surface. We're using nets. We're not like deep sea fishing here. And we didn't catch anything all night. Not a one thing, like nada, not a single fish. We didn't get a minnow, we got nothing. And so now you are asking me to go fishing at the least convenient time, at the time where nobody catches fish. No, I I don't really want to go fishing right now. In other words, Peter's saying this, I don't like my chances. Peter didn't like his chances. Jesus was asking him to do something that he had done a thousand times, but he's going, "Hey, hey, hey, I want you to do it ever so slightly different. And not because you think it's gonna work, Not because you think this is going to be this successful thing, but I want you to do it just because I'm asking you to. I want you, Peter, to do it my way. I'm not asking you to abandon your family. I'm not asking you to take this drastic, life-altering step. I just want you to do something that you're really, really, really familiar with, but in a slightly different way. I want you to do it with just a little twist. And we're not told what's going through Peter's mind at this point, but surely he is thinking, Jesus, I don't know if you've noticed but you have drawn a pretty big crowd here today. And if all of these people, <laughs> if they see me going fishing in the middle of the day, they are going to think I am an idiot. I have built my reputation on the fact that I am a pretty good fisherman. Nobody goes fishing in the middle of the day, not with a net. You are not going to catch anything. But here's what's ultimately at stake here. Did Peter think that he could trust Jesus? That's what hangs in the balance right here, right? It's trust. Did Peter think, even though he didn't know Jesus very well, I mean, he's only heard him speak for maybe an hour or two at this point, did he think that he could trust Jesus? He says, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But, but, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Not because I think it's gonna work. In fact, it's not going to work. It it never has worked going fishing in the middle of the day. Not because it's going to help my reputation, because it certainly will not help my reputation. These people are all going to think I am a fool as me and you go out and we try to go fishing in the middle of the day. But because I have just enough respect for you, I wouldn't do this for anyone else. But sure, for you, Jesus, we'll go fishing. I'll give it a shot. And and, and this is so huge. I mean, this is incredible. Because just imagine what hung in the balance of this seemingly insignificant request. Jesus asking a guy to do something that he had done thousands of times before, but in a slightly different way. 
And for some of you that are sitting here today, that's exactly where you're at. There's this internal nudge, this prompting, I mean, this thing inside of you that you can't shake, and you're not ready to give God the credit, and that's okay, but there's just something inside of you that you cannot get rid of, and you haven't even attached a word to it, but just poking you to head in a slightly different direction, asking you to take like this one single tiny step of obedience. Now, imagine in this moment, if Jesus had kind of like peeled back the curtain, and he said, Peter, 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 I want to show you something. Look at this. And Peter's going, what the crud is this? He's like, this is St. Peter's Basilica. They're going to build this for you. And he's like, what am I even looking at? This is like a cathedral. It's going to take them like 100 years to build this thing. I mean, look at all the detail. Look at the pews. He's like, what's a pew? Don't worry about it. It's incredible. They're going to build this whole thing for you, and and you're going to be buried here. I mean, Peter, this is a big deal. I'm going to use you in some incredible ways. No, 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 please. Will you take me fishing? What do you think he says then? Peter, just like me and you, he had no idea what hung in the balance of a single, seemingly insignificant moment where Jesus was nudging and he was prompting and he was prodding to take a step, to do something that he had done a thousand times before, but in a new way, simply because Jesus asked him. You have no idea what hangs in the balance from a simple invitation to say yes or no. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? For those of you that went to church growing up, you know what happens next. It says, and this time, so they say, okay, we're going to go fishing. This time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear a shout for help. So they have so many fish that they're going, the other two guys, James and John, the guys that Jesus approached later, they, they yelled to him now, hey, James, John, you guys have to come out here. We're, we're literally, our, our nets are bursting at the seams. Help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. I told you, Matthew left out a lot of details. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he What do you suppose he does? Does does he yell back to shore to that crowd of people, look at what this guy did. Are you kidding me? We, We need like more storage or something. This is incredible. Look at all these fish. When he realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, no longer master. Master was a term of respect that he would have used for any rabbi that would have been walking around. But suddenly now he's referring to Jesus as Lord. He says, please leave me. I, I'm such a sinful man. Now now this is amazing because in this moment, it's no longer about fishing. And this is so, so important. So if you've been zoning out, you haven't been really paying attention to me, give me just like a minute of your time right now because this is huge. In that moment, Peter realized who Jesus was. No longer master, no longer great teacher, no longer rabbi, but Lord. But he also recognized who he was, a sinful man. And here we have the beginning of a relationship between Peter and Jesus. And this is so huge. It was not until Peter took that practical step until Peter responded to that nudge, 
until he responded to that prompting that suddenly his eyes were opened and his heart was opened and he realized that he was in the presence of his Lord. You never know what hangs in the balance of a simple no or a simple yes. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, because they were terrified. From now on, and and again, this is important, he's telling them, I have a future for you. All you guys, you know, know, sitting here, you're seemingly insignificant fishermen, I have plans for your life. But I was not going to show you until you were willing to take a step. Until you were willing to respond to that nudge. Until you were willing to respond to that prompting. Now, now you know, Peter and Andrew and James and John, that when I ask you to do something that you can trust me. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And Peter and Andrew and James and John all looked at each other and they go, what the heck does that mean? But they didn't care. They just sat there and they nodded because they were so in awe of what Jesus had just done among them. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. And you would have too. But not because Jesus came up out of nowhere and blindly told you, just follow me, abandon everything and just begin following me, but because they listened because they learned, because they allowed themselves to be inconvenienced and they took a single step of obedience that allowed God's faithfulness to intersect with that one small step of faith and then they left their nets and they followed him. Doesn't Matthew's story make a little bit more sense now? (laughs) Now within this story, I think there are essentially four stages of following Jesus. And the incredible thing about this is regardless of where you find yourself on this whole faith journey, whether this is your first time coming to church, been coming to church your entire life, whether you want to be here, you can't wait to leave, no matter where you find yourself on this whole faith journey, this is applicable to every single one of our lives. First stage is this, sit and listen, sit and listen. Some of you, by the fact that you're here today, have actually taken the first step in following Jesus. Some of you are sitting like, what the heck? I didn't know that. I got tricked. It's okay. You can relax. But just by showing up here today, you have taken that first step in following Jesus. Because again, following Jesus always begins with information. It always begins with listening. Christianity is an informed faith. It's not a blind faith. Blind faith is stupid faith. And if you're at this stage, if you find yourself at the sit and listen stage, guess what? Your next step in is so simple. Just come back. Just come back. Keep sitting where you're sitting here every week. You only have to dedicate an hour a week. It's hardly any time. I mean, you waste so much time during the week. You know you do. So just come back here and just sit and listen. And if for some reason you're not able to be here, make sure you go online, you listen to those messages there. Number one, sit and listen. Number two, loan in the boat. Jesus is asking you, hey, it's time for you to be inconvenienced a little bit. You've sat and you've listened. You've been sitting where you're at for for a pretty long time, but now it's time to be inconvenienced. And listen, I know you have hundreds of excuses, and some of them are probably really good excuses. 
but it's time to finally loan Jesus the boat. It's time for you to sign up for a group. You're like, I don't want to sign up for a group. I'm so busy. That's one more night that I got to give away. Guess what? That's the nature of this whole thing. That's the nature of loaning him the boat. It is going to be inconvenient. For some of you, you need to sign up for a team. And how incredible is that? We still need people serving on teams. We have people that still serve every single week, and that's great. They do it with a smile on their faces, but how incredible would it be if your next step to loan in the boat intersected with our need for help? I mean, that's like, that's great. Some of you, you need to start reading this stuff for yourself. Everything that you know about Jesus and Christianity and the Bible comes from the lips of people like me. That's dangerous. I don't always get it right. You need to actually pick this thing up and start reading it for yourself. Start reading Matthew and read Mark and read Luke and read John. Read those accounts of Jesus' time on earth. You can download that thing for totally free. There's this awesome app called the Version. I joke around. It's even on the droids, all you Boost Mobile fans. I don't know what you're still using those things for. But go on there, download that thing. Or on the back, there are Bibles back there. We want you to take them. I know you may feel weird about taking something for free. Just walk by and like stuff it on your shirt and get out of here. That's okay. Start reading this stuff for yourself. It's going to be inconvenient, but it's not going to cost you anything. You don't have to break up with him. You don't have to break up with her. You you, you don't got to dedicate a lot of money. Allow yourself to be inconvenienced. Loan him the boat. Number three, take him fishing. Your heavenly father wants you to do something that you have done a thousand times, but in an ever so slightly different way. And more than likely, this will have to do something with your relationships, your career, or your money. Relationally, professionally, or financially. And I don't have to tell you what it is, because it already came into your head. It's that thing that keeps coming back to your brain over and over and over again. It's that thing where you go, I really need to, I really need to stop. And you've done your best to talk yourself out of it, but for whatever reason, it just keeps coming back to your head. And again, you know what it is, because before this whole Jesus guy started weaseling his way into your life, you never thought about this before. It was never even something, it was not a consideration, it was never even something that came up in your brain, and you have no idea what hangs in the balance of that one simple step of obedience and you're scared to death. But Jesus is saying, come on, come on, just follow me, just trust me. I'm not asking you to change your entire life. I'm not asking you to abandon everything that you've ever known. I just want you to take this one small step of obedience. Trust me, you have no idea what hangs in the balance. And that one small step will allow your seemingly small faith to intersect with God's faithfulness. And that single step of obedience will do more for your faith journey than anything that ever has in your entire life. And then number four is this, and some of you are here. Leave your nets. I mean, you've already done the other things. I mean, you've sat and you've listened plenty and plenty of times. You've loaned them the boat. You've allowed yourself to be inconvenienced. In fact, you've loaned them the boat so many times, it's not really even inconvenient at this point. You've taken them fishing and you could tell me story after story after story where where, where God's faithfulness and your step of obedience, you know, they intersected and you could be like, my goodness, God just always seems to show up. But now, now, it's time to surrender everything to him. Your entire life. You, you, You look at God and you say, God, I so desperately want your will to be done in my life. Because I have seen all these occasions where I've taken you fishing. 
And time and time and time again, you prove that your way truly is better than my way, that your will is better than my will. It's one of the incredible things about following Jesus. Oftentimes we think that Jesus is just like on this power trip and we've all been there mentally. Maybe you've never verbalized it this way, but we think that Jesus just wants us to do this stuff. He wants us to take these steps of obedience. He wants us to follow the rules and do this and not do this because he's on some sort of power trip. Like Jesus is up in heaven with the angels going, you are not gonna believe what I got Shay to do today. I mean, I really have this guy wrapped around my finger. No, it's so much better than that. He's going, my way is the best way. If you would just listen to this stuff, your life would be so much better. And some of you are there. You need to give him everything. You need to leave your nets and just say, God, I want you to take every part of my life, not just this part, and not, okay, I got these three parts now, and you've taken that one, okay, so let's trade. No, 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 like give him all of it. And so the question I have for us today is, are you willing to take your next step? And I would challenge you, and more importantly, Jesus would challenge you. Whatever that next step is for you, take it. And this isn't meant to be a grading scale. You don't have to elbow the person next to you and be like, hey, where are you at? <laughs> really at sit and listen? I'm at take him fishing. No, 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 it's nothing like that. Whatever your next step is, take it. You have no idea what hangs in the balance from a simple invitation to say yes or no. My wife and I, about two and a half years ago, we started feeling this nudge, like Jesus was saying, leave your nets. Come on, you've seen me come through so many times before. It's time for you to truly give me everything. I want you to start a church. And I had so many excuses. And I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but aren't a lot of you who are sitting here today glad that we said yes? Because a lot of you who are sitting here today haven't been to church in a really long time. Some of you have never been to church before. Some of you are experiencing God like you have never experienced him in your life. And I am not nearly arrogant enough to try to take credit for that. But God is working so clearly here. I had no idea, and I still don't, of what hung in the balance of a simple yes or a simple no. And some of you aren't there. Some of you aren't at this point where you just have to leave your nets. But whatever your next step is, take it. What is that small, still voice in your head telling you to do, telling you not to do? And you're not even ready to call it God, and that's okay, but, but where are you being nudged? You will never, never, ever, ever regret listening to that small, still voice. But if you don't take it, you'll never know what God might have been trying to do in your life what God might have been trying to do through you. So whatever your next step is, take it. You will not regret it. If you don't, I can almost guarantee you that you will look back and you will wish that you had. You have no idea what hangs in the balance.